Hey guys, this is David Collins and you're listening to the Longbox Crusade. What's in your Longbox? You're listening to Longbox Crusade Podcast Episode 29, featuring Blue Beetle, number one, cover dated September of 2011. Welcome to the 29th episode of Longbox Crusade. I'm your host, Pat, a.k.a. DJ Christatos. The Longbox Crusade is a podcast where each episode, a random cover month and year is chosen, and then an issue is selected from one of the Longbox Crusade crew members' comic collection. Each episode, we will summarize, review, and reminisce about the issue, ads, and events of that time period. But before we do that, let's see who's with me in the studio. As always, we have Jared Elbrick, a.k.a. Deco. Hey, Pat. I'm just uh, back from the smoothie store. We got a tropical smoothie here in town. And uh, it was kind of a celebrity run-in. Are you familiar with the musical artist Inya? Who can say? I, I really don't. Know. <laughs> I see you are. I see you are. You just quoted a song. Unless that was oh, a strange she, she sings that song? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I met Inya over at the Tropical Smoothie. And I was all like, Smoothie, Inya. Bring it back old bits. That'll be it. <laughs> 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 Pat just right. <laughs> because <laughs> and it doesn't make sense. <laughs> it doesn't. But I wanted to bring back an old, old bit. Yeah. I brought, I brought, I grabbed like a couple of pieces to the puzzle. That didn't quite fit. I still try to put the puzzle. <laughs> I think that's where it got me. That's all right. Because in my mind, I'm still trying to play this well, smoothie up Enya. I, yeah. I, I'm going. I'm going back on mute. And like, is Enya really into smoothies? I don't know. Jason, the Weasel Skull Albrick is here with us as well. You like smoothies? Smooth up Enya. Yes, yes, I do. But hey, man, I got a beetle joke. You want to hear it? If I say no, please. I'm going to read it anyway. Okay. Then so go a ahead. dung beetle goes into a bar. He doesn't order a drink. He just takes a stool. It's a dung beetle. <laughs> <laughs> because he wants a place to sit. It's a double entendre, Pat. It's a double entendre. What's that? It's a double meaning stool. Also means poop. You know what? <laughs> if i got to explain it. It's not funny. <laughs> That's true. Could you explain it again, please? Should I go back to Inya at the tropical store? <laughs> here? No. All right, Delvin, save us, save us for the bad bits. Yeah, somebody give us a good bit here. All we got Not left, Delvin, going on mute. Delvin, save us. You're my only hope here, Delvin. Ooh, I don't know. Running thin on bits myself here. I might also go by a different name besides Delvin, besides Starkweb, besides. Hold on, what's the pop up? Yes, yes. 
Let's see. What's all the ones that you've given Felix me? Felix Slider and Silver Hands. Yeah. Felix Slider, Silver Hands, even though Silver Hands never should have been a thing, but somehow wound up being a thing. I think there's one more that's missing. But you can also call me Ted Cord because I am the Blue Beetle, right? Ted Cord. That's, that's the Blue Beetle that we heard about. If only that were true. <laughs> that, no, that's no, not, not the. Wrong. That's not what the. No. Did you read the wrong issue? Hmm. How about we just keep moving? We'll see. We'll <laughs> Let, see. Let's we'll get see. to it. Yeah. 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 All right. But I, I want to know, Jared, if you went to the smoothie store, then how come you didn't bring us back any smoothies? I gave all my smoothies to up in ya. I got a smoothie. <laughs> Delvin, you, you get, get a smoothie? smoothie? I mean, I, I don't want to kind of talk out of turn, but yeah, I did. I did get a smoothie. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I actually got two smoothies. Oh, here. there's the problem. <laughs> They're both delicious. <laughs> <laughs> you guys. So he's got two. The old bits are coming back today. Smoothies up in me. All right. Well, before we go on a bitcapade, I guess whatever bitscapade, bitscapade. That's it. Yep. Let's go ahead and find out what's the current crusade doing right now with the LBC crew. Let's go a quick around. And we'll go right back to Jared. Got a current crusade you're working on? Yes, I'm doing it right now as we're recording. I'm sitting here inking some pages of Cold Lightning, number three, the final issue in Van Allen Plexico's sci-fi action adventure miniseries. And uh, just trying to finish that up, man. I know it's unoriginal and I do that one a lot, but that's literally what I'm doing right now. That's all right. Jason. Work, man. Work's got me uh, under its thumb. It's um, passed a lot of climate change legislation, so I'm working on eight rules right now and it's 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 killing me jerry <laughs> they're killing podcast weasel skull here other than that i'm still reading the james bond novels so <laughs> that's fun too that's what i do in my spare time cool jason wants to know more about what you do here he's curious <laughs> it's my walter peck again from Ghostbusters. <laughs> <laughs> well let's go ahead and find out what delvin the dark webs current crusade is you know i'm not up to much either Jiu-jitsu is, you know, whatever it is. But recently, I've been adding, doing these CrossFit-like workouts. My buddy Jake, who wandered into the Jiu-Jitsu gym, he's also big into CrossFit. Does Jake and, have a better body? <sighs> ignoring that. Actually, he's pretty fit. I mean, I I, I have to give him credit. For it is better body by Jake, guys, just in case you... I got oh, the better oh, body. Yeah, yeah, there we got we all got it. <laughs> I just wanted to give it a second. To, I didn't get it. I was trying to correlate a joke with State Farm, so I didn't get it. It wasn't worth getting. It's okay. So, so anyway, he's like, I believe I can improve your fitness and conditioning. You're good at jujitsu, but what about fitness and conditioning? And I'm like, what do you got? And so I've been doing like these CrossFit basically workouts, but I call them Jake Fit because one, yeah. it's just kind of fun to say Jake Fit. But two, Miranda does not like me saying that I'm doing CrossFit workouts because, you know, how some women just get like a thing against the thing. She doesn't like Apple products, for instance. And if you ask her why, she's like, I just don't trust them. What? (laughs) I I thought she was afraid that you were joining a cult. Yeah. Well, I mean, the important thing that you need to remember about CrossFit, Jared, is that it's a cult. Did you say it was a cult? No, I said that it's a good opportunity for fitness. Hmm. And no, you, call, you called it a cult. 
Sorry. <laughs> that, that, that's what's going on in my life here, Pat. All right. Well, let us know uh, how much the membership is for Jake Fit. I can send you to workouts. Yeah, you know, that's okay. I was <laughs> <laughs> saying, I mean, I got on the phone. I can just send it right over to you. I need to be doing something. I don't know. I did hip hop abs with Sean T day before yesterday. I got the whole series on DVD. Uh-huh. Did you see my abs? No. Ooh. I, I, it's I working, man. It's working. I see a lot of white. Mm. A lot of, whole lot of creamy white abs. Could you put, could you put your shirt back down? <laughs> Good thing it's a podcast. Yes, but that's yeah. an image I'm not going to get out of my mind for a long, long time. You're welcome. You know, it's like looking at those comic book covers that are just all white and blank. <laughs> also, what you're saying is that like we could get Jared to like draw Spider Man on his abs. <laughs> And then he could like use it as hey, an art piece. That, we, that could work. We are looking to try to do a Patreon drive. So he could get a pretty a sweet Patreon tattoo on it. That is a blank canvas just ready for a masterwork right there. <laughs> I would like something with like a rakish, rakish angle on that. There's room for anything you want. Yeah. Trust me. <laughs> <laughs> well, just remember, Jared, like when you get that hip hop ass body, it's one photo to Instagram, two photos to Instagram, three photos to Instagram. Woo! It's like CrossFit, which is a cult. It's a cult. Hey, did you just call it a cult? No, no. I said, like, it's a good opportunity to be with people. Uh, and oh. also... Uh. <laughs> oh, you guys, you guys. All good right. luck editing that down to something, man. Yeah. <laughs> He he does wonders. I I I have I have faith in Pat, but let's stop testing his abilities and keep going. <laughs> All right. Well, with that, let's go ahead and continue on here. We want to invite you to be a part of the show by submitting your comments and memories, which will be read later on in the show. All links and pictures for this episode will be in the show notes, which can be found at the website longboxcrusade.com. Please add the podcast to your favorite podcast feed or on iTunes. You can also follow the podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by the handle at Lombox Crusade. We hope that you come along with us on this crusade to read them all. Now, before we get started with this episode's issue, let's take a quick podcast promo break and we will be right back. Monthly, monthly, monthly. It's Action Film Face-Off. Hello, I'm Jason the Weasel Skull Albrecht, and I'd like to tell you about a podcast I do with my brother, Jared Albrecht, the yard sale artist. Action Film Face-Off. Yes, thank you, Jared. Action Film Face-Off is a podcast where my brother and I, who are both military combat vets... Jason was a Navy SEAL. Jason was not a Navy SEAL. Jason was a military intelligence weenie. But anyway, in each episode of Action Film Face-Off, we select two different action films. Some of them have Chuck Norris. Technically speaking, none of them have had Chuck Norris yet, but it could happen because we use a randomizer set between 1970 and modern day to select our two films. So you'll always get two films, each from a different year. Our randomizer has spikes on it. 
we use a Google random number generator, so it does not have spikes on it. And we put the films into our video dome arena. It also has spikes. It does not have spikes. <laughs> but we discuss the films and score them through six different rounds of criteria. I score Bond films very high. Okay, that's true. But anyway, by the end of the episode, we crown one of the action films the champion of action film face-off. Next episode, Jason fights a bear. Jason is not fighting a bear, but please give our show a listen. We're part of the Longbox Crusade Network of Shows. Pat Samson killed a man with a sword once. I can neither confirm nor deny that statement. But you can find us on iTunes, Google Play, and most podcatchers under Longbox Crusade. Or you can subscribe to just our show by searching for Action Film Face-Off. Come see the blood fly! And that's Action Film Face-Off. We do, indeed, invite you to come and see the blood fly. I just said that! Welcome back from the break. Now let's get to today's adventure from the long box. And it has been my pick. So I had wanted to choose something kind of different from what we've been doing before. We've been doing some, you know, 80s, a little 90s. I'm kicking it all the way into the 2000s, going to 2011. And we're going to start off with the beginning of the new 52. And we are going to be looking at Blue Beetle number one. From the new 52. So credits for this issue was provided by Mike's Amazing World of Comics website. Publisher was DC. Its cover date was November 2011. Its on sale date was September 21st, 2011. Cover price was $2.99. Editor was Eddie Berganza. Writer is Anthony J.L. Bedard. Penciler was I.G. Guara. Inker, Rue Jose. Letter is Rob Lea. Colorist is Peter Pantes. You can read along with us in the reprints of Blue Beetle, number one, the variant cover, or DC Comics, the new 52 hardcover, or Blue Beetle Metamorphous trade paperback. Cover credits go to penciler Tyler Kirkham. Inker is Sal Regla. And speaking about the cover, let's get a cover description from Jared. You got it. The DC Comics logo is the more modern Star Swoop logo, and it is in red, just as the top right cover blurb is also in red, and it reads, The New 52. The Blue Beetle logo sports a blue blue and a white beetle, if that made sense. <laughs> the word blue is in blue. You got it. The main action is a high-tech, high-energy drawing of the Blue Beetle as he swirls upside down, blasting some kind of electric white energy. The background is orange. Because orange and blue always go together. Back to you, Pat. Ooh, I see what you did there. War Eagle. War Eagle, Pat. I got it. All right, well, let's find out what everybody thought about this cover. And we will start with Jason. I liked it. As uh, Jared said, it's very high energy. It's a great action pose, a blue beetle. I like the logo. I think the uh, orange background really kind of makes it the, the blue and the black of blue beetle pop. He just looks like a cool character with the little beetle wings in the background and mm-hmm. those two massive guns growing out of his hands there. It just looks really action-packed, frenetic, and it's a good cover for issue one, I think. Delvin, what's your thoughts on it? Yeah, I'm right there with Jason. I think it's a great cover. It's just super dynamic, and it's something that makes Blue Beetle look like he's powerful, 
but dynamic and fun. And those are things that you might want to see in an issue one, especially if you're a newcomer to the comic book world and you see something that's kind of fun and wants to catch your eye like that. I think it's cool. I don't know why they couldn't go with IG for the cover because IG drew some very good interiors. So I'm surprised mm-hmm. that they didn't let him get a crack at the cover. But uh, Tyler Kirkham, he did a really good job on it. And Tyler Kirkham and company, because I know it takes uh, the anchors as well. But very good job. Jared, what's your thoughts? Well, Pat, I'm glad you asked. I like it because the Blue Beetle is at a rakish angle. Mm. Mm-hmm. I do like the orange and blue color scheme. Drawing and inking tech is never fun, and there's a bit of tech in there, and it looks really good. Colors are great. It's a really good cover. What about you, Pat? Bring it home. I think, like you guys said, the, the blue and the orange really make this pop out to you when you look at it. And with the Beetle... He's a little more jazzed up here, a little more techied up than before, possibly. I'm used to, you know, the Ted Cord version. So seeing this newer version really interests me and what kind of grabbed me about it, just to learn more about the Blue Beetle in itself. So I think it's a really nicely drawn cover. And, you know, Delvin, like you said, why did, didn't have IG do it? I don't know. Maybe, you know, maybe they needed him to just make sure he gets the inside done and then have somebody do the cover. But Still, nicely done drawing of the beetle on this one. Jason. Jared, Jared. Jared's got out the color wheel. You got to speak to it, Jared. Color wheel. Got your blue. And again, we've always talked about how you go opposite to make it pop the best. Guess what's opposite? Orange. 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 Correct. Color wheel never lets us down. All right. Well, with our thoughts about the cover out of the way, let's go ahead and get into a synopsis. And that will be brought to you by me. Oh, boy. <laughs> Dangerous waters. Everybody strap in. Everybody need a drink or anything? Yeah, guys, if you guys just want to walk away, take a, go drop a deuce or whatever. And come back. <laughs> let, me, let me check out the synopsis. Blue Beetle. Blue Beetle. Blue Beetle. When you need some help, he'll save the day. The title for this story is Metamorphosis Part 1. Many years ago, an alien world in Space Sector 2 is under attack by Kashakai, a scarab ornating from the Reach. Along with its presumably unwilling native host, once the scarab's vessel wakes, he is offered the job of subduing more worlds by the Reach commander. At the same time, another scarab is shown flying through space, barely escaping a green lantern. The scarab drops into subspace and crashes on Earth, next to what appears to be an ancient Mayan pyramid. In the present time, teenager Jaime Reyes is invited along with high school dropout Paco to their friend Brenda's birthday party. It's explained that Brenda's Tia Amparo Cardenas, who hosts the party, will not let her security guards allow anyone in without an official invite. When asked by Jaime, Brenda claims to not know why her aunt is so strict about security. Back at the Reyes' residence, Jaime begs his parents to let him go to Brenda's aunt's house for the party. His parents won't allow it. They explain that they won't let him in that woman's house for his own safety. Jaime doesn't understand and angrily leaves. Like all teenagers do. They just don't listen. Parents just don't understand. 
Later on, Jamie sneaks out with Paco driving him into Casa Cardenas. Their trip is cut short when they accidentally get in the middle of a fight between two groups of superhumans, both groups' objectives being a backpack containing the Blue Beetle. One of the superhuman groups had been tasked especially by Tia Amparo, a.k.a. La Dama, to retrieve the item. The backpack ends up in the car, and one of the superhumans expresses intent to kill Jaime and Paco. Jaime grabs the bag and tries to run away. Brutali's attempt to kill Jaime by throwing a knife into his spine backfires as a, this seems to cause the scarab in the backpack to fuse with Jaime. A blue and black alien armor covers Jaime's body as he explains the name of the scarab. Kajada! And that's where we leave off. So, let's go ahead and find out what you guys thought about the story. And we'll start first with Delvin. Eh. <laughs> <laughs> It was it's short. It, it's really, it read really fast for me. I had to read it twice. I read it once this afternoon and I wanted to read it again before the podcast because I was like, did I miss something? There, I mean, we all know the beats on issue one of a book at this point. You got to establish the main character. You got to establish a few of the side characters who are important to the main character. You got to see the main character in the costume that they're going to be in. That's the whole point for reading the book. And it covered those beats, but I don't know. Something about it really just didn't capture my attention other than the prettiness of it. It almost read like an image comic book from 1993. That was, I mean, even down to the fact that like they initially in the prologue established Blue Beetle as like this like complete, you know, bad and you know and, uh, the armor's going all crazy and everything but oh wait what did I do I, my memory's hazy it just felt very imagey and that's not really a complaint I mean image sold a truckload of comics I, I have image comic books but I'm just saying for a 2011 comic book I was kind of I don't know like it it, it felt like dessert you know like it- like you're you're supposed to have dinner like a sustaining filling dinner and it felt like just a pastry. That's what it felt like to me. Was it even to the level of being extreme like the nineties? Not, not, not as extreme, not as extreme, you know, to where, but then again, some of those villains, they kind of fit that bill a little bit too. I, I'm seeing some head nods. So I would love to see what somebody else thinks about it. Jason, what do you got, man? You took the words right out of my mouth with the 90s. It really did feel like a 90s comic. It felt kind of cookie cutter of an origin story. There wasn't anything really that grabbed me about Jaime coming out of the gate. I know they tried to sprinkle a little bit of mystery in there with his aunt, but I think we see where that's going. I will say the things that I liked about it, I did kind of like the new villains in that they were at least visually interesting. And they had a unique power set. And the artist did a really good job of rendering that action sequence, I thought. That kept me interested. So I was a little bit more interested in the villains than I was in Jaime coming out. And I don't think that's good, but that scene was pretty interesting. And so I'll say villains was something that I really enjoyed with this first issue. You like more of the backstory of the villains and that they were more... To me, it seems more interesting. It's uh, obviously there's some sort of power struggle. I'm going to guess drug dealing or human smuggling or both. And his aunt is 
one of the more powerful members uh, of some organized crime clan, and there seem to be superpowered enforcers on both sides. And that, to me, seemed really interesting and really kind of a cool concept. And I'm kind of more interested in that story than I am what happens with Jaime. Okay. Jared, what's your thoughts on the story? Okay. Pat, have you ever seen Miracle on 34th Street, Christmas classic, 1947? Yes, I have. Most people have. It's pretty good. Mm -hmm. It's a Christmas classic. People bust it out every year. Exactly. Yeah. You ever seen Miracle on 34th Street from 1994? Had yes. Richard, Richard Attenborough in it? Yeah. Yes. Pretty good. That's a good one, too. You need them both? No. <laughs> so that's going to be my lead in. I was a pretty big fan of Blue Beetle when it came out in 2006, I think, was the Jaime Reyes, Reyes relaunch after the unfortunate passing of Ted Kord. Mm -hmm. And let me tell you, as a huge Blue Beetle fan, I was looking at it in 2006 with quite the skeptical eye, mm. but it kind of won me over. It had a new enough flavor, a different enough flavor. Kind of the way I feel about remake songs, if I can use, mix my metaphors. If you're going to remake a song, add something to it. Give it a different flavor. Don't just remake the song or else I got the original for that. Kind of like my Miracle on 34th Street example. So 2006 rolls around. Jaime Reyes uh, becomes Blue Beetle. That launches, I get in on the ground floor with issue one, give it a shot because I like Blue Beetle and I like where it's going. It's got a new flavor. It's got a south of the border flavor. It's got a teenage hero. He's going to eventually kind of do some stuff with the Teen Titans. It's cool. It was cool. It was good. So five years later, they reset it and hardly change a thing. Well, that, that was going to be my question as you're going through this whole uh, Mixed thing. metaphors thing. Yes. <laughs> is, is this opening kind of the same story of... Well, here's the, when here's the thing before I'm going to say yes ish, because let's be honest, it was 2006. So I okay. don't remember the details, but okay. Let me mix in another metaphor. It's like the time. Okay. We're going to my third one now, but at least I'm going back to movies. It's like the time I went and saw Watchmen at the theater. And I was like, that was pretty good. And all the super Watchmen fans were like, no, man, it's like deviated, blah, blah. And I was like, it'd been so long since I read Watchmen. I couldn't remember where it deviated. So it must've hit all the right notes. Because it was kind of what I remembered, and I liked sure. it. So kind of similar here. Yeah. Is it did it deviate? It probably did, but it still hit kind of all the right. Now it wasn't different enough for me to notice. Mm -hmm. So it was just like, um. So five years after this kind of bold new direction for Blue Beetle, they took a same approach. Just felt needless to me. I, again, 1994. I'm going back to the original metaphor. 1994 Miracle on 34th Street. Not bad. No. But do you need it when you've got the original? I don't think you do. And that's all, all I right. have to say about that. I want to add to that. I never got the point of the new 52. DC made this decision. And it's like, you know what? Probably our biggest drawing power is our history and our decades old characters, which are rich in backstory and iconic in nature. And you know what we're going to do? We're going to whitewash it all just to do it. And I remember when it happened, I was just like, yeah. why? Like they were in the middle. I think it was Detective Comics, maybe. Detective Comics was just on fire and like just putting out great stories. As a matter of fact, like mm -hmm. Batman didn't even really change its story. It kept Scott Snyder and Greg Capullo and they really kind of kept the same story that they had. And it was just like, why? I get it. And so, go ahead, Jared. 
Oh, okay. Jason and I talked about this just yesterday, I think. And for some reason, Marvel and DC kind of do this from time to time. We all know this. They, they, you know, heroes were born, heroes return. And the marketing thought process clearly behind it is, well, we've got too much continuity. We need to get in some new readers. We'll start fresh into us. We'll get new readers that way. And I got to ask, has this ever worked in the history of comics? Because as Jason, I mentioned the other day, we jumped into Spider-Man and X-Men and Daredevil and all that stuff with decades of continuity because we pretty much jumped in in the early 80s and we Mm. were children and we figured it out. It's not hard to figure out the continuity. So I feel like these gimmicks of New 52, Heroes Reborn, Heroes Return, Crisis on this and Crisis on that. I don't think they actually ever work the way the company thinks it works, but that's, I'm just guessing. I'm sorry, Delvin, I hijacked back to you. You're fine. It's worth it if it has a definitive in and out. And New 52 kind of, it, it wasn't successful. It's the equivalent of like a plane that kind of takes off and it's like a real bumpy takeoff and all the fans are like, oh, not fans, the passengers are, oh, what's going on? And and then they're like, well, you know what? We're, we're going to land the plane. <laughs> it, it wasn't a good takeoff. Like something's wrong. Like maybe an engine's a little shot. Like we're going to land it. <laughs> like, it. Because they sort of retconned it. And a couple of years later, they did the flashpoint thing. And it's just yep. like, what? so as I remember at the time, I collected flash for a really long time. And then they sort of retconned flash and then they did this new 52. And then they did, I was like, eh, um, I, I don't feel like, I don't know which Flash this is. I don't care. And so, like, a character such as Jamie Reyes gets caught in the wash where it seems like they had a good idea. It's like, hey, Ted Cord died in, Jared, help me out. Which storyline? It was really, it was Countdown. Infinite Crisis. Infinite Crisis. Yeah, right, the Infinite Crisis, I think, is actually happening there. And it was Maxwell Lord who killed him, right? I don't like to talk about it, but yeah. I, yeah. I, I know. But, but that was a powerful storyline. And so, okay, they did that. And then they brought Jamie Reyes. And, you know, some might say cheap, some not, not. But I mean, it was a pretty good way to bring a cool character and de- develop the whole mystique and aura behind blue beetle but then like to just retcon it five years later almost renders it meaningless to me well and it goes to bring into that point like jared was saying when you do that wouldn't you as a company want to be able to sell your old back material in trade paperbacks you know omnibuses things like that to go well here's all this continuity you can jump in where you want and don't worry about it we got you covered by all these big omnibuses, trade paperbacks, and all that day, you can just go back and read and catch up along the way. And by the way, you can give us money for it. Let me say this. I mean, it's a tough game to play. I do get it. If you're the publishers and you're the editors and you want to bring in new fans, but the problem is you cannot alienate the old fans and have old fans like, going out of the airlock while putting new fans into the seats that the old fans were in. You want to build a bigger plane. And that's kind of the problem with these retcons a lot of times. And it's one of the things that, say, MCU has done a great job of. They've introduced old characters. They have remembered a lot of these old storylines, but they have kept them at a level enough that if you want to dig deep into them, that's cool. 
but mm-hmm. new and old fans alike can talk about it to where you have, and I hate using this term, but casuals like, man, did you watch the new Loki or are you going to watch What If? And you can smile as an old fan. You're like, man, I read the What If comics back in the day, fool. What are you talking about? Yeah. You, just, you knew. I knew about this 20 years ago. What you talking about? And that's just the thing. It's like, I, I think that's what happens when you introduce mm-hmm. the retcon. Like, because you're almost taking history that meant a lot to a yes. decent amount of people and got people to this point, And you're saying it wasn't in, important and just move on and accept this new thing. And a lot of people, especially at the rate of two ninety nine, kind of said, mm, no, thanks. I'm good. I'll just add my two cents in here, too, <laughs> is that to me, this was a character that worked and it got caught up in a gimmick that made it not work. And I think that's what bothers me about it. There was a a real character here. And we talk about diversity in comics and and having more characters represent, you know, a wider range of races and sexes. And this is one that actually worked. You know, it had a hero like Blue Beetle, but, you know, they were able to bring it over and add that diversity in an interesting, compelling, organic way. And then they swept it up in this gimmick. And I think it did it more harm than good. And I'll just leave it at that. It's understandable. Conquer. Definitely understandable. You know, the reason why I chose this one was, again, because it was something different. It was a more newer issue than we covered. But I also chose it because of the New 52 to kind of see what your guys' thoughts were on the New 52. Were you all in? Were you? I wasn't in. I remember when, when they launched it, they, it just seemed like a bad idea. It really did. And, and I and of course, I mean, if I look at my comic book collection, I have somewhere about 4,000 freaking DC comic books. And to this day, I'm collecting Batman and Justice League and Green Lantern for some ungodly reason. <laughs> but <laughs> I'm still collecting DC comic books. And I didn't stop, but I was not enamored with why they started with the new 52, because that was DC's competitive advantage over Marvel. Their history, like, I mean, Batman went back to the freaking 30s and he went through different iterations, you Mm -hmm. know, through the dark and stormy Batman to the kind of like the Norm Brayfogle Batman in the 80s and stuff. And all of that, the Aparo era. It was all good in its own way. And if you're a good writer, you don't forget any of that history. You just take the parts of the history that you need and then build on that and just make your stories off of that. You don't have to just say, well, you know what? All of that. Oh, that's the old universe that we washed away. It doesn't mean anything. It does. It does mean something. It means something to a lot of people. Anybody else have anything? New 52 wise? Were you in, in it? Were you not? I was not not in it. I'm not as big of a DC collector as Delvin, but I do collect Justice League. Yeah, to me, it was it just kind of smelled a gimmick. It kind of smelled a desperation. It came on the heels, like I said, of a relaunch less than five years ago. So really, it's like any new readers that you got on board through that effort, like Delvin said, at $2.99 a book, that's like, holy cow, I just I invested five years in this and now they're whitewashing and it doesn't mean anything so i think they lost a lot of readers that way i guess just last thought i think marvel was smart the way they did it with their ultimate titles because they were able to take 
this alternate universe with the characters that we love tell new stories about it. And then when that run its course, they started kind of cherry picking and bringing into the Marvel core world. And you got Miles Morales is like one of the coolest characters out there. So, you know, I think there's just smarter ways they could have done this. Jared, anything to add? Not really. I, I kind of phased out of comics when my first son was born, which was like 2006. And I tried to dip a toe back in. And it's kind of funny because it was about this time. But I went back to the comic book shop and, and two things worked against it. One, my local comic shop said, uh, we don't give any kind of discount, subscription discount. And I was like, I subscribe to 55 books. And he's like, we don't do a discount. Mm. And I went, okay. What? Yeah, this was circa 2011. And then I was like, okay, well, let me go see what's on the wall. What happened to that comic book store, Jared? Oh, I'm glad you asked. They went <laughs> out of business. Mm. And so... Yeah, I, I went to the to the wall about two. This was right at 2011 because it was all new 52. Sure. And I, and I just asked people in the store, you know, uh, fellow nerds. I was like, new 52 is any good unanimously? No. Mm. So I said, you know what? I'm not coming back. I, I came back for James Bond comics. That's what I came back for. <laughs> <laughs> so now I, now I put in the now nah, I'm good meme here. And that's that's where I left it. That's why when I pick for long box crusade episodes, it's something from the eighties or nineties because that's what's in my collection. <laughs> that's understandable. <laughs> Get off my lawn, glory days. <laughs> pass you by, glory days. Oh, all so, right. Well, so we hold on, Pat. It, we we need a little bit of a happy hat on this, right? Sure. I'll give DC credit because I think what they did was try to tie their movie universe and they wanted like that DC logo to kind of reflect, you know, the movie universe and the comics and the move into the future. It's all branding. It was branding. And, you know, sometimes with branding, you get branded, but I'll give them credit for trying something new and trying to reach out to a new audience. The idea was decent. The execution, not so much. I'll give them an effort for trying to reach out to new people. I mean, that is admirable. And I just like to add, I know we have a lot of listeners who are smarter on this stuff than we are. And if you're one of our listeners, Definitely. you know, Tim, Dr. G, who won the first annual LBC comic book trivia contest, mm-hmm. any of these listeners, if you guys know about this stuff, I'd really like to know if one of these, you know, like we said, heroes were born, heroes return. Infinite Crisis 52, Crisis on Infinite Earths, has any of these ever truly paid off? Because I really wonder. But there's people smarter than me on that who, who might know the business a bit better. So I, I'd be interested to know. Yeah, I agree. Let us know. Uh, hit us up in the chats, the comments, all that stuff, and let us know what your thoughts are on this. Definitely want to hear it. Let's go ahead and get into the thoughts on the art in this issue. What did you guys think about the story art in this? And Delvin kind of gave it away a little bit on his side. So we'll find out from Jared. What's your thoughts on the art? I'm going to be in total agreement with Delvin. I'm pretty sure on this. It's a gorgeous book. It's well colored. It reminds me of Todd Nauk. Yes. Yes. Young justice artist. That's how I know him. Okay. Really had a Todd Nauk. If that's how he pronounces it feel to it, which is always welcome in my book. It is well drawn, well inked, well colored, top-notch art all the way. So, yeah, we can definitely start pulling up on this a little more positivity. It's a gorgeous book, and I'll let others run with that. Jason? Oh, I agree. The art was spectacular, cover to cover. 
opening it up in that big uh, space battle really grabs you. The action elements were well drawn. Sequencing was well drawn, had good backgrounds, good character developments. Each character had their own likeness, unique. You never had to question who was who in any of the panels. So top-notch marks for the artist. Delvin, anything you want to add? Nah. Um, a, a third to the first and second from Jared and Jason. It was beautiful. And to give it away, when Jared does his special part, I'm going to be picking that last page because, I mean, the splash page of seeing Blue Beetle looking like that was phenomenal because especially if you collected comic books as long as we all have, I was not as huge into the blue and gold as Jared was, but I still remember Blue Beetle as being, he was a, he was a hero, he was brave, but he was kind of comic relief. This different take on seeing Blue Beetle having like a history that's cosmic and seeing him changing all this cool scarab, like sci-fi stuff, it makes for a visually dynamic look and it can really pay off with an imaginative artist than it did here. Yeah, I agree. I think I definitely like the aspect of it kind of being tied in to more of, you know, I don't want to say Egyptian, but that, you know, I'm obviously my end, but that, that kind of a time frame or era like that, I really dig that stuff. Old Egyptian mythos and things like that. I think that brings in a lot of mystery and intrigue to stories like that because, it, you know, it was a time when we weren't around. So, you know, swashbuckling adventurers and with a more updated, modern, techie kind of feel to it. Uh, was really neat. And to just see the art with all that tech that's going on, uh, even in the beginning, when they're being attacked on that alien, you know, Sector 2 area or wherever, that's really cool to see, you know, someone's vision on other worlds and other species, things like that. Just really interesting to me, but definitely they, a great art job. And they did make it a point in the story to bring it all the way from space down to El Paso, Texas. They did a good job with that. Mm -hmm. Let's go ahead and go to Jared to find out his special question for us, as we do on the LBC. I've got it for you. All right. So uh, we are at a convention, and IG, or IG, or however he wants to go about it, is there and has all the original art from this first issue. And he says, you guys can have one page gratis. What page you picking? I think we're all going to pick the last page. Let's just go around and check on that. Jason, last page. <laughs> yeah, that's really the only choice, in my <laughs> humble opinion. Delvin, last page. <laughs> yeah, if we're talking to IG, because the first thing I'd be like is, um, you got any of those covers, Civil Beetle one? I didn't draw that. Oh, oops. <laughs> I didn't draw the cover. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. oh. <laughs> Can I get the last page then? Thank you, sir. <laughs> so, yes. Agreement. Pat, last page? Yeah, it definitely yeah, is. It's Pat. unanimous. It's a great page. I mean, it is. I mean, I realized we were at a con. We're probably getting pencils, but just hats off to the great ink work, the color work. I mean, no mm -hmm. slouching oh, in the yeah. background. It's it's wonderful. It it really is. So we're going to timeshare that last page. Then. Yeah, I have to timeshare that one. <laughs> we can put it up in LBC Studios. Basically, yeah. that's what you came for this issue for, was to see that last page. Mm-hmm. Yep, absolutely. Well, I know we talked a lot about the new 52 at this time, but uh, are there some other memories or maybe even other memories around the new 52 uh, at this time that brings you guys back to anything? Let's go to Jason. 
2011 New 52. Like I said, wasn't really enamored with the New 52 concept, but I did look forward to and I picked up a couple issues of the Batman mm-hmm. Superman. I think Greg Pak was writing it at that time. Does that sound right? Somebody's going to correct me. Uh, yeah, we're going to have to leave that yeah. to the audience. There was a Batman Superman, but I don't remember who wrote it and was drawing it at the time. But actually, I guess the memory, you scratch all that, because the memory that really popped into my mind goes back to when Ted Court died, when we were talking about that. Because I was in Germany at the time, and I started reading Infinite Crisis. And in Infinite Crisis, number one, they allude to the fact that Ted Court is dead. And I was like, what is going on? I've got nothing. I'm in Germany. I have no sense of what's happening. So I'm like on the phone to my brother, do, 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 do. Jared, help me out here. And he said, oh, it's in, you got to have countdown to infinite crisis. And then he sent me a copy. Like, <laughs> Jason's oh. being polite. It was more like, hey, the bad man shot dead. They shot Calm down, Jared. No, he told me, I was like, what? They shot it. <laughs> <laughs> it's that guy just dead. What is my beetle going to do? <laughs> Still haven't gotten over it. Nope. No, it doesn't seem like it. Yeah, well, well, I'm sorry to bring up some old bad memories for you on that one. Delvin, what do you got? I was trying to think of my new 52 memories. I'm drawing a little bit of a blank. I was in the middle of... When was this? August, September um, of 2011? September 2011. I had moved from Maryland earlier that year to Alexandria, Virginia, to be closer to the Pentagon job that I had just started in that March. So uh, there were at least those new things going on in life. I was learning all about the largest office space in the United States. And I'll tell this joke for Jason's sake more than any. Please do. Uh, they have people from all of the armed forces, uh, junior enlisted, doing tours of the Pentagon. And people went in for the tours and everything. And you hear them all the time. And I'm walking into the main part of the building or whatever. And I'm hearing somebody giving you know this tour. And someone's like, and the Pentagon is like one of the largest office buildings in the world, housing over 16,000 people. 12,000 of them are officers. And I was like, oh, so that's the problem. (laughs) That joke was mostly for Jason, even though I got a laugh from Jared. And I'll pass it to you, Pat. (laughs) All right. Well, thank you. You know, my memory, I'll go, is around the new 52. At this time, I was kind of in and out of comics, kind of keeping an ear to it through podcasts that have been out there for quite a long time. So that's what kind of kept my interest. And then when they started talking about the buzz of the new the new 52 coming into play, I thought, is you know, hey, this is my time. I can get back in again. You know, I was that person that was like, hey, let me jump back in. I can start at the new 52. You know, the kids are older now. I can, you know, ask my wife for a little extra lunch money so then I don't have to eat and then use that lunch money to buy my comic books, you know, back in that mindset again. But I wanted to jump in, and so I was like all gung-ho and for this. And so, I, you know, I was there buying the number ones. Like this one, it's a number one. I never read it because I got weighed down by the other stuff that was going on. 
but I was caught in the hype. You know, I was definitely caught in the hype of like, oh, wow, like, you know, it's new, new number ones. Of all of us, you. you've always been like the events guy. You, you love yeah, the events I, more I, than any of us. Yeah, I, I think I do. I do like story. Art definitely helps it along. But I like events. I like big, big to-dos, you know, that are sprawled out over time or just over things like that. I'm actually curious, Pat. So out of the four of us, you're the one that really dove in the hardest. Were you satisfied with the outcome? Were you happy with it? Once I started reading some of it, you know, the, like Devlin said, the Batman didn't really change much from where it was before. Uh, Superman, different. I was more into reading The Flash, and I was also picking up Green Arrow. Uh, I found out I liked The Flash a little bit more. But then I started to, again, kind of weigh from it as well, too. So, you know, I think it goes back to, again, having that once I start reading again, I'm like, oh, man, you know, I miss this and I miss, you know, these stories that I know or can go back to and, and read again. And I think that's where I really found where my love is, is the older comics that I grew up with as a kid uh, between you know, the mid seventies to the nineties, you know, mid nineties where I kind of had to fall off. But I think that is where my really sweet spot is in reading. And I, what makes it so nice is like Dublin, I, you know, for two ninety nine, I can get a stack of books in a bargain bin now of all that stuff that I didn't get to read. And I know there's such a rich history and universe building, world building, character building, that I can just go back and dig into. So I think that's what I've kind of learned from this experience. Not that nothing's wrong with it. And I think it's good to help kind of mix things up a little bit. But yeah. I agree with you. I find myself when I go in the comic store now, I'm more excited. Like I found a pack of old 70s uh, Tarzan comics from Marvel Comics. I was like, sure. Hmm, five bucks, throw it in the cart. We get everybody? Oh, no, Jared. Thanks, Pat. Glad you asked. Well, I kind of already told you about my story with New 52 on the wall and people not heavily recommending it. But I do want to point out that 2011 in January, Delvin and I went to Arizona and watched our beloved Auburn Tigers win the national championship in college football. That was great. It great. was great. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I also just want to point out that just I know Jason already said it, but it, this hits home even more to me because uh, you guys here on the show know this and maybe some of our listeners do but you know my wife is puerto rican and she actually does presentations and stuff on hispanic comic book creators and hispanic characters and they're pretty thin you know especially when it comes to characters and so uh, again uh, this was a really sort of appreciated comic because not only was it good but it kind of gave her more stuff to talk about and it was an exciting time for her so, you know, it was kind of a win-win. And then, you know, like we said, you know, to reboot it just five years later without even much of a, of a change to it. But to put a positive spin on it, I can't say enough about how much I love Ted Cord. So when he was True. gone, like I said, when that new Blue Beetle came out and I was like, suspicious, I like you will never be my Blue Beetle. And within, you know, a couple of issues, I was like, it was so different enough and kind of doing its own thing and building its own world. Mm -hmm. That I, I think they did a, a good job because they made it so different and yet accessible at the same time. So, yeah. you know, overall, Jaime Reyes, Blue Beetle, thumbs up from Jared, which yeah. is hard to do because I'm true tough, tough on the Blue Beetle. You're a tough cookie there. I am. I do agree. I mean, I really like the concept 
of the Blue Beetle and to see this updated kind of form of him and with them kind of bringing in the new, you know, 2000s with this. I think I like just the the change of pace with it. They did a really good job. And obviously, he's stuck around for quite a long time now. Yeah, it's. I don't want to give a whole history lesson on the Blue Beetle, but for those of you who go all the way back to Charlton with Dan, yeah. I think, like he got the scarab and it gave him powers, right? Mm-hmm. And Jaime Reyes got the scarab and it gave him powers. It never gave Ted power. True. It never did. <laughs> and, you know, and they may have addressed that at some point, like why or something like that. But it, if they did, it got past me. But I always thought it was kind of fascinating that the scarab kind of just picks and chooses who it's going to help. And it never gave Ted the power. So Ted just did it all on his own. So I don't know. Full respect to Ted. Definitely understand that. All right. Well, I think we've about covered this issue and its events and surroundings. So with that, it's going to bring this part to an end. But if you got a comment or a question or you want to educate us a little bit more, please do let us know. Send us an email at contact at longboxcrusade.com or make a comment on the Longbox Crusade Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram page. And we will be right back. And action! It's Fade Out. Hosted by film fanatic Rob Kelly and a roster of special guests, Fade Out will examine the final films of Hollywood's brightest lights. Part of the Fire and Water Podcast Network. Welcome back from the break. Now let's continue on with the show. It is now time to scan through the featured issue of Blue Beetle number one for the top ads that stood out to us in a segment called Add It Up. the ads that stand out to us in this issue let's go ahead and start with jared you got a favorite ad you know i do i, I wonder which one you're choosing you want to guess i'm gonna say the flash shoes nailed it in one yep oh. classic heroes classic shoes journeys and converse linked up to make a whole series of superhero shoes and i did that thing that jared always does i went in and went crazy i bought the flash shoes i bought the superman shoes i bought the batman shoes i bought the you green Lantern shoes <laughs> Let me finish the story. So <laughs> I do this and I buy them and I'm like, this is going to be the coolest thing. And then I put them, you know, in, in a box and then my closet. And then like six years later, I discover they're still in there and I've never worn them. And I'm like, should I wear these? And I go on eBay and I go, Oh, nope. I should sell these. Uh, <laughs> and well, I end up selling the shoes. I currently under my guest bed, is a box that has the Snake Eyes Asics mm. shoes and the Storm Shadow Asics shoes, and they've been under there for probably three years. Actually, so, they haven't been under there since Christmas. Oh, Ooh, I, <laughs> <laughs> I was actually proud of myself on Twitter just today. I posted a picture that I'm, I'm actually wearing the Iron Man LA gear sneakers that I've had for no kidding, probably six years, and I decided <laughs> to actually wear them. I didn't even look them up on eBay to see what they were selling for. I was like, I'm just going to actually wear these. So I'm proud of myself for that one. But yeah, I, I think I ended up selling all those sneakers on eBay, making a pretty tidy little profit. But uh, I owned them for quite a while. Just I do that all the Sweet. time. I buy gimmicky shoes and I just like never wear them. Well, oh, I needed you to wear the flash shoes so I could have looked at you and then just kind of looked down and looked up and said, you must be fast. You must be fast. <laughs> 
a very obscure <laughs> nothing to lose joke, which is well placed, well timed, and well appreciated. <laughs> I'm going to agree with you on that one. That was the ad that stuck out to me as well, too. Being a skater, love me some Converse, so we can't go wrong with that. And okay. so now you're you're mixing in comic books with the Converse and skating. Man, all I needed was a hype, cool-looking skateboard, and I'd be all in. Delvin, what's your ad choice? I'm going to go Chris Bosch there holding a glass of milk, standing next to a baby giraffe who's taller than Chris Bosch because it was advertising about the Dream Team that I guess played in 2012. Can't remember how they did, but seeing as how I think this is about the third or fourth straight gold medal that the U.S. men's basketball team has taken home, it's easy to assume that the 2012 team struck gold because the men's basketball team pretty good at the sport of basketball. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think I mean, I do overall just think it's a pretty cool ad, though, for, you know, got milk or whatever to do the uh, one of the uh, USA men's basketball team members like that. So just cool. Uh, cool. ad. Is that got milk still going on right now? I don't think so. You know, is that kind of run its course? I think it has. But I mean, it was a pretty effective pretty campaign. Good. Got yeah. milk was around forever. Everybody getting the milk mustaches. Yep. Mm hmm. Cool. A uh, quick update from Jared, who did the research. The 2012 United States men's Olympic basketball team did indeed win the gold. The leading scorer was Kevin Durant. The leading rebounder was Kevin Love. And a leading on assists was a little-known player named LeBron James. Aha. Ah. LeBron James got it. That guy's going places. <laughs> <laughs> he is, you know, that LeBron may, may, may or may not be something pretty uh, soon. I still undecided. <laughs> <laughs> Jordan's a goat. Anyway, uh, <laughs> uh, it was coached by Mike Krzyzewski. Did I say it right? Krzyzewski. Oh. Just just go with it. I don't know. Krzyzewski. I... I've heard, now that you've said it, I've heard that before, and I feel silly. But anyway, that's all I got. Don't worry. That's one of those that if you know how to really spell that name, you are a true sports fanatic. I know it starts with a K. K-R-Y-Z, I think. Go figure. <laughs> Jason, what's your pick for an ad? I'm going to go with the Star Wars Padawan Menace Lego Movie. I love those Star Wars Legos. Those Lego movies are always entertaining. I'd throw that on and give it a watch. Cool. Those are always fun to watch. And just Legos. Man, what I would have gave for Lego Star Wars back in the, you know. Oh, man. Yeah. Back as a kid. Granted, we had, you know, the best toys, the Star Wars toys. But, man, to have some Lego one, too, man. I remember when my fr- when my friend got the uh, space Legos when those came out, where you have mm-hmm. the lunar capsules and the yep. moonscape. Yeah, I was like, "Oh, yes, son, we're gonna have some fun with these Legos." And who wasn't building Star Wars stuff back? You know, out of what you got uh, from yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, you were kit bashing some Star Wars stuff. Well, Devin, Devin was not. No, Devin was not. <laughs> he was getting the chicks. <laughs> yeah, he's too busy in the school yard. <laughs> I wasn't getting the chicks. <laughs> Dylan's got all the girls want to come up to Delvin for his smoothie. Ooh, he's like, hey, girls. <laughs> Bring that bit back. There we go. Meanwhile, Pat and I are like, want to play with our Legos? <laughs> Look at this Lego Thor that I just built. It's really super cool. I got my Lego Slam Speeder. It's awesome. <laughs> I just want to give one quick 
mention to an ad and it's on the back page. It's the Hot Wheels ad and they're going back to the 80s with this one with a super cool van and like a super cool sports van with a fin on that. Man, again, too, the Hot Wheels were the super cool thing at the time. Did you guys have Hot Wheels? Did you carry them around to like ice cream buckets? I don't know about your buckets, we had Hot Wheels. Oh, we had Hot Wheels, yeah. A ton of them? Oh, yeah. Yeah, basically, as I was telling Jared, the Fast and the Furious movies were are just multi-million dollar films of what we did with our Legos when we were kids. Yeah. Ramp it off this cliff. Hook it on this thing. Swing it around. I really enjoyed with my Hot Wheels when you had the racetracks. You had like the orange tracks that you would put together and then have them go down steps and do all that. I was like, oh, man, this crisscross crash, man. Yeah. Crisscross crash. Crash, crash, crash. Where was that? Uh, a fun fact, you can still buy the orange Hot Wheels, official brand Hot Wheels tracks right. at the Dollar Tree. Oh, They sell, like, for a dollar, you get two pieces, I don't know, two, two, two and a half feet long. Yeah. So you can just stock up on a ton of track if you need it at the Dollar Tree. Yeah, I haven't had, like, different colors of it, putting it together with the little piece that you would keep the two pieces together. I don't know what they call it, but it was that piece that you put together. It was cool. All right. Well, now that we got the ads out of the way, you got a comment on the ad that we picked? Let us know. Email us at contact.lawboxcrusade.com or send a comment on the Longbox Crusade Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram page. Now, let's continue on with the next segment called Way Back in Time. Once again, it is time to take another revealing peek back into history. What famous date shall I set it to today, Mr. Peabody? September 2011. All right, let's go ahead and hit some major news for September 2011. Pick one, Jared. All right, Pat, on September 19th, Ashton Kutcher debuted on Two and a Half Men. Who? That's when he officially replaced Charlie Sheen. Tiger right, Blood! Who I suspect was off winning. <laughs> I remember, like, during that, they did this insane interview, and I can't even remember who the reporter was, and... She asked him, was like, are you bisexual? And he's like, I'm by winning. <laughs> he was nuts. <laughs> also, Two and a Half Men, I never watched it. Uh, I, like, even just watching like a few like minutes of it, I'm like, how is this a popular show? It was not funny at all. But that's me and CBS comedies. Go ahead, Jason. That'll start me on a rant. All right. I'll take it from here. On September 16th, the critically acclaimed Drive, starring Ryan Gosling, is released. He's dreamy. (laughs) I knew that would come out from you. Man, I could do two that have to do with my lovely wife, Miranda, and I could do one that reminds me of that year entirely. So I'll go with my wife. September 12th, Love on Top, single released by Beyonce. It won the Grammy Award for Best Traditional R&B Performance for 2013 and was the Billboard Song of the Year in 2012. Forget that stink fish for. I, I know plenty of Beyonce tunes, but that one is not popping into my head. Uh, I don't know it well enough. <laughs> I would know it if I heard it. I don't know it well enough. Yeah, I'm probably saying with you. If I heard it, I'd probably go, oh. Anyway, maybe it'll show up in our music section. Maybe it won't. Who knows? I just looked. It doesn't. September 20th, 
New Girl, starring Zoe Deschanel, debuts on Fox. And if you haven't seen that one, that's an actually good show. Uh, my daughter was watching the streams of it, and I would happen to just come in and catch it, and then I would just get captivated by it because it was kind of, you know, that oddly fun thing to watch. And there was a story being built all the way through the whole seasons, too. So check that one out if you get some time. I've seen exactly one episode because it featured Prince. He was in there, yes. And that episode was hilarious. It was good. (laughs) I didn't watch a lot of New Girl, but it was funny. I remember initially not liking it because I thought they were just really trying to sell that Zoe Deschanel was quirky. And it's like, really? Mm. That's worth a series? But no, it was funny. It was legitimately funny. The better parts are the characters around her, you know, because she's the roommate with three other guys. And just those guys are, are the fun parts of it. I think she's fun, too. I do oh, yeah. at least add that. She's no, fun. no. She's all right. All right. Well, with that, let's go ahead and roll into the top three movies for September 2011. Jared, tell us what is number three. Well, Pat, I'm glad you asked. Number three is a little movie called <laughs> Dolphin Tail. Check out the tail of that dolphin, yo. <laughs> Wow. Wow. <laughs> yeah, somehow it got $139 million, almost 140 and I have nothing on Dolphin Tail. I failed you all. So, bye. I yeah, care. I got nothing. <laughs> you know, if you ain't seen it, I ain't seen it. It's got to be like a Disney, you would think, right? Doesn't it seem like something they would do? <laughs> it's, either, it's, it's either that or the Dan Marino story. I guess that's true. <laughs> Maybe it's the Dolph Lundgren tale. <laughs> That's just ridiculous. <laughs> I'd you watch buddies. it, though, Jared. Yeah, I'd watch it. <laughs> I know Jason would. <laughs> yeah, Any action film face-off fan would watch a Dolph Lundgren tale. <laughs> What's number two? Oh, number two. Actually, I know this movie, and I enjoyed it quite a bit. It's Moneyball, and that had uh, Brad Pitt and Jonah Hill. And it raked in $145 million. And the number one movie was Contagion. It made $158 million. That's getting a little too close to home right now, so <laughs> let's move along. <laughs> All right, well, let's go ahead and get into the top three songs according to Billboard at this time. I'll start us off with number three, and it is She Will by Lil Wayne featuring Drake. Yeah. Doing for the realest, realest in the, in the game right now. She will, she will, yeah. Doing for the realest, realest in the, in the game right now. She will, she will, she will. Uh, maybe for the money and the power and the fame right now. She will, she will, she will. Uh, Doing for the realest, realest in the, in the game right now. She will, she will, she will. Coming in at number two is Party Rock Anthem by LMFAO featuring Lauren Bennett and Goon Rock. We all remember that, right? Yeah. Goonies are good enough, right? Okay. Shake that. Shake that. Shake that. Shake that. I know and that's hard because Shuffle, 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 shuffle. Yeah, there you go. I want to hear that song now. 
It's a fun song. Party song. rock is in the house. You know tonight. it. Yeah, I got it. I got it. I remember now. Okay. And I guess I'm left with number one. I know the person. Uh, it's last Friday night, TGIF, Katy Perry. Yeah, that's the only part. Yeah, that's all I got too. I can hear that part. I think she got drunk and made some bad decisions in the song. Like most songs. Yeah. 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 You can definitely tell where our key points are in our (laughs) pages. We go back to the 70s. Comics from the 70s, 80s, and maybe the 90s, Pat. Yeah, I think so. We need some hip kids to help us out. I want to go home, Pat. I want to go home. (laughs) <laughs> Freaking Katie's Perry's. Lord, <laughs> you Bruce Beatles, Goons Rock. Oh my goodness. <laughs> oh, well, I think with that, why don't we put it out there? Should we stay in our comfort zones or is it fun going out of them once in a while? I don't know. Oh, it is kind of neat to see that us trying to figure out what these songs are. <laughs> no. I don't know. <laughs> All right. Well, that's going to bring us to the end of this part of the show. You got a comment or a question? Know a lot more about the songs and the movies than what we do? Let us know. We're obviously some old folks, but we would still love to hear from you. So email us at contact at longboxcrusade.com or leave a comment on the Longbox Crusade Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram page. And we will be right back. This year in 2020, we will see DC Comics celebrating the 80th anniversary of Robin. And so will Terrence, Ryan, and myself here on the podcast. Every other episode this year, well, (laughs) as long as Rob can keep everything straight, will have us following Tim Drake in the 1990s slash 2000s DC timeline. The following episode, we will be joined by a selection of special guests throughout 2020. The guests will be selecting their favorite Robin in a story that connects them to the character. It could be a comic, movie, animation. Hey, wait. So, like, uh, could we be reading Red Hood and the Outlaws on this show? Or Nightwing? Yeah, that's the idea. Whoa, 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 whoa. Wait, so you're opening the door to not just Tim Drake, but any Robin? Yeah. So does that mean Rick Grayson? Yeah, like the new 52 Helena Wayne, Robin of Earth 2? Heck, even the pre-crisis Robin of Earth 2? Or, dare I even say... Damien? Batman Forever? 1950s Detective and Batman Stories? Batman 66 episode? Batgirl Stephanie Brown? Teen Titans Robin with Wolfman and Perez? Jeff Johns and... Oh no. No. Scott Lobdell? No! Okay. Uh, while I give my co-hosts a minute or so to digest all of this information, you can find our show, Robin Everyone Loves the Drake Comic Podcast, through the BatmanUniverse.net podcasting network. Also available on Apple Podcasts or wherever you traditionally listen to your podcasts from. Now, if you'll excuse me, I think Terrence might need a bottle of water or maybe a paper bag. No, new 52. It's going to be okay, Terrence. It's going to be okay change of tim drake's origin don't worry terrence crazy red robin costume It'll be okay uh, maybe it won't happen
Welcome back from the break. Now let's get to the feedback part of the show where we share your comments, emails, questions, likes, and shares in a segment called Crusader Comments. We are thrilled to kick off these comments with special shout outs to our Crusaders Club members. These are the fine folks that have joined our crusade. They enjoy early access to special long box episodes, voting to help determine show content, Jason singing party rock anthem, and so much more. So these are the folks reaping the benefits and giving some much appreciated support to the show. Every day I'm shuffling, shuffling. <laughs> save it. Save it for Crusaders Club. Oh, okay. It's a tease. <laughs> Thank you for being a friend. Helica Wolf. Oh. Auburn Elvis. Bill Beer. Blast it, or alternatively, stash it. Braxton Underwood. Clinton Robinson. Dave Collins, the old battle wagon. Gary V. Jerry Green. And Jason Keene. Jeremy L. Jim Jarman, Jim Jarman, Jim Jarman, Jim Jarman, Jim Jarman, Jim Jarman. I hope you like Jim Jarman too. I just do it for y'all. Not even for Don't lie, it's fun. You know you like it. It is kind of fun. It's true, it's true. Joe Thomas. John Watson. Jose Pollo. Josh Strickland. Kathy Bright. Maxwell Traver. Michael Wagner. Miranda W. P.D. Devins. Paul Hicks. Rick from Jeff and Rick present. Rob Morgan. Ross Michaud. Paul Hicks. That's all I'm going to say from now on, so just keep on going. So should I just pick up Ryan Daly? Yes. (laughs) Ryan Daly. Samantha Maney. Sean Urbanski. Paul Hicks. Steve Cronin. Tim Price. Toronto Cap. Paul Hicks. And Brad Morin. If we missed anyone on our list and and we did not miss Paul Hicks, I heard it three times, we apologize. Please keep in mind that we record these episodes well in advance of release. So if you're a recent addition, we should be adding you soon. But still, no worries. Just let us know that we missed you by sending an email to contact at longboxcrusade.com and we'll get it straightened out. As a reminder, you can become a Crusaders Club member by heading over to patreon.com and searching for Longbox Crusade. For as little as $1 a month, you'll get access to the amazing world of the Crusaders Club. Come check it out. If you don't have any extra scratch lying around, but you still want to help us out here at LBC headquarters, please take a moment to write a review on iTunes for this podcast. Even if you just want to keep it short with just star ratings, it helps raise the profile of the show and we will share your review on the next show. We do have social media likes, shares, and retweets from episode 28 of the Longbox Crusade, where we talk about Web of Spider-Man issue 39 from June 1988, where we know most of the songs. <laughs> yeah, much more comfortable, yes. All right, and Pat will start us off. Andrew Morris. Andy Pellerito. And Helica Fetty Wolf. Aru J. Sandy. Over and Elvis. Baby Skeletor, yeah. Blake Martin, CB Dave, Charlie Green, Chris Shea, Chris from BTO and Backbooks. Let it Christopher Willette, Cease Ruse Salvador, Clinton Robinson, Coffee and Comics, Comic Reflection, Dale MacGyver, Dangerous Darren Sutherland. Dada Toby. Dave Miller. Days of High Adventure. Podcast. Dear Watchers. A Marvel What If Podcast. Desi LaSalle. Edward Huey. Esmeraldo Andre. Fan Film Fridays Podcast. We got one from Fanny. I don't know if it's MI or Michigan. So we'll say Fanny MI. Gene Hendricks. Jason, I don't think you're Fanny at all. 
Thanks, Jerry Green. Greg Tuck. Ike Carr. Evo Guitardo. James Charles Huntley. I'm looking for John Connor. <laughs> Come with me if you want to live. <laughs> Dun, 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 dun. Miss John Connor. John Javers. John Javers. John Javers. John Javers. You're fine. Josh Cruz. Carl Jones. Kevin Christopher. Logan Set. Lucas Tida. Manuel Lopez Cavacante. Manuel Cañete Mendoza. Mario Azevedo. Mark Hatherley. Sir Martin Gray. Max Reads Comics. Max Traver. Maz. Michael Satola. Monthly Monday Movie Muckabout. Nigel Kimber. Pablo de Medellin. Philip O. Philip Packer. Professor Frenzy. It's a shit. Oh. Rick Heineken. Sergio Vizcara. Slim Shady. Wait a minute. Ooh. Is that the real one? You think he's the real Slim Shady? Maybe stand up. Hmm. Steve Allen Elvidge. Steve B. Robinson. Tim Price. Bernard Jeffries. Waffles. West McGee. And Xenozoic Xenophiles. Thank you, everybody. Those are a lot of names to read, but we love doing it. And we have some social media comments from Jarrett. Start us off. I will take a comment from West McGee, who says, these covers captivate me. I honestly think that on a certain level, I enjoy looking at the covers across the board as much as I enjoy reading comics generally. And I get that, man. I love cover browsing. It's pretty cool. And thanks for writing in, West McGee. That might have been a first time commenter. Well, I'll pick one up. I think this might be a first-time commenter as well. Ike Carr says, the looter had seen better times. <laughs> yeah, that, that old dude hit a rough patch, that's for sure. <laughs> a little bit, man, a little bit. Uh, we have a comment from Monday Monthly Movie Muckabout. Did I say that right? No, I said Monday first. Monthly Monday Movie Muckabout. Said it right that time. Who says, memo to self. Find something cheap to send Pat to make him feel good about himself. Say it's from a 007 film. He'll never know that it's not. Wait, is this on my personal notes or a tweet? Do you remember the reference to that, Pat? I do. Um, (laughs) Jared had gotten some sweet stuff from our friend Rick. Yes, shout out and thank you, Rick. Awesome stuff. Thank you. And I was just asking, you know, where is my sweet stuff? Yeah, mine got lost in the mail too, Pat. Christmas is coming. Rick. Maybe he pulls your name, Pat. Maybe. <laughs> Otherwise, I get duped again. I will take one from the Ryan Daly. And it's always fun when he, Ryan, writes in. So, Ryan, please continue to do so. And he says, it's about time you guys covered a Spider-Man comic. I just, this guy gets us. <laughs> you know? <laughs> this cat. It is kind of funny that we regularly podcast about Spider-Man and given the choice. We read a comic. <laughs> Man, look, my my choices for 1998 were Web of Spidey or Amazing Spidey. <laughs> <laughs> I was glad to jump into the web, man. The web was a fun read. No, was I fun. liked yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. Definitely a good time. Yes, sir. And thank you to everyone for the likes, shares, follows, and comments. We appreciate your friendship and help in spreading the word about this podcast. And that's the show. Be sure to check out the website, longboxcrusade.com, where posts will be made for journaling this crusade. I want to thank Jarrett, Jason, Delvin for joining me this episode. But before we go, let's find out where the listeners can find us on the internet. Jason, where can you be found? You can find me at Weasel Skull on Twitter or at Jason Albrick on Facebook and Instagram. How about you, Delvin? You can find me on Twitter at D-E-E underscore R-A-Y-1977. Jared, 
I can be found at Yard Sale Artist Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. It is all at Yard Sale Artist. Pat, where can you be found? Well, Jared, I'm glad you asked. You can find me on the Twitter at Christatos01. And if you want to interact with us via live chat and be entered to win some free stuff on our live raffles, join us on our next episode of Doing It Livestream over on YouTube. We do that on the second Sunday of every month, and we start around 3.30 p.m. Central Time. And if you were following along with us, we just got done playing Pictionary. Man, <laughs> we ruffled we some feathers. By, we just scraped by beating the Crusader Club members, people in the chat. It was a tough race, let me tell you guys. Mm-hmm. Photo finish. Photo finish, definitely. Oh, no, it was such a great time. We love being with everybody and chatting with them. So please come and join us. And you can do that by looking up Longbox Crusade on YouTube and subscribe and smash that bell, click that like, do whatever you got to do so you know when we go live. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed this episode of the Longbox Crusade. You got a comment or a question, email us at contact at longboxcrusade.com or leave a comment on the Longbox Crusade Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter page at Longbox Crusade. Until next time, take care and please join us for the next episode as we continue on the crusade to read them The intro music is provided by musical genius Joe November. Check out his SoundCloud at J-O-S-E-F-L-I-N-9-9. You won't regret it. All songs, song clips, and characters discussed are copyright of their respective copyright holders, and no infringement is intended. We are just fans that like to share our love of comics. Outtakes. LBC crew. Pat, do us all a favor, start the show. Okay. <laughs> well, good. I'll go on mute. I'll go on mute, <laughs> too. We'll join Jared and go on mute. All right. Jason, stop drumming on the desk. That was me. Ooh. <laughs> Spicy. Frame jobs. <laughs> it's like the time we could try to figure out who had the, like, the clinking sound. <laughs> the, it oh, was the clinking not in me. There. It was fat. Was that the, the first LBC crew? The case of the ice. The, yeah. The yes. Who, who clinked the ice. Oh, man. Playing my homescapes. That's what I'm doing. What you this, is why, this is why he doesn't get the meeting notes. <laughs> They're meeting notes? What was that? <laughs> Damn you, Delvin's Williams. Peter Pan. Panta, Pantasis? Pan, I don't Pantasis. know. Yeah, that's why I chose these. I don't know how to <laughs> it's Glass Ween. He called me bad. Wait. Inker is Cell Rigel? Regal? Regal? Regla. Regla? Regla. Man, these names. All right, well, I'll get big going. Here we go. Pat, you're on mute, my friend. Oh, man. I think Jason saw it and was just going to let you do it. Look of his of, of <laughs> deviltry on his face. I'm not looking at the. <laughs>
You ratted me out, Delvin. <laughs> in that's that right. room. I that's wasn't right. going to. I just happened to look and I saw you had this just <laughs> eating grin on your face like <laughs> I was like <laughs> wondering like where would I gotta cut in and let him know. <laughs> Jared, what's your thoughts on the story? I don't know if he's queuing up pop nuts or not. I'm sorry, I wasn't paying attention. <laughs> I'm just gonna do a little research. Here we go. Take me away. I don't mind, but you gotta promise me I'll be back in time. <laughs> On September 20th, New Girl starring Zoe Dezanel, or Do- starring Doi, starring Zoe Zoe Deschanel. Deschanel. Is Lil Wayne the yeah guy? No. No, that's Lil no. John. Lil John. John. Okay. Lil John. Bless your white heart. <laughs> <laughs> it's not so much white as it is old. <laughs> like, I, don't, just don't know. I don't know any of the artists from this era. F R I D A Y. Night. night. F. No, it's not. The bass in the rollers. Friday night and I'm rocking. to the right.